You got 42 units right now. How much you making a month? I do well into the six figures. Every month. Six figures a month. Well, so let's yeah. just, I'm going I'm to I'm do an estimate. <laughs> let's just say you're making 150,000 yeah. off of 42 units. Yes, yeah, more than that, but. Um, <laughs> Again, keep in mind because the nine is doing sixty-five by itself. Wow! Right, the, for the government, the yes. one we originally started talking about. Right, uh, I have five more. I don't know if you tell this part, so I have five more under a separate uh, government contract. And here's the thing: my government contract is not a prime. It is not between me and yeah. the government. I'm operating as a subcontractor. So somebody exactly over you is paying you. Exactly. So, so the the example that I was talking about, my student with the hundred fifty doors, that is a prime opportunity. Welcome to another edition of the No Stingy Energy Podcast, where we talk wealth, finances, relationships, health, and much more. Yeah, health too. A little bit of health. A little bit of health. We need to talk more health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to get you in the gym. We need to do that. (laughs) We absolutely do. That's a fact. I'm not debating. Yeah, man. So we got my guy, Noble, in the building. It's been, you know, I've heard a tremendous amount about you. It's funny because we had an Airbnb show. Like Racing, the last one man. we had, and TJ was like, nah, I can't, I can't do the show without Noble. Yeah. Like, so what's going on yeah. with Noble, man? You know what's what the saying? hype about? What's huh? the hype? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me something I don't know. Yeah. I know we know what the hype is now, though. We know what the hype is now. <laughs> we got to break it down. But it's like humble. He Noble come across. So humble. That's supposed to be though. His spirit humble. <laughs> so he's like, you never, you, you never know. Assuming. I think you like it like that though. I mean, I'm just being me. That's it. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But we got a lot to talk about. Absolutely. We got a lot hey, to talk let's about. Get it. So look, man, you ready? Hey, let's get it. <laughs> well, listen, my name is Byron, real estate investor out of Houston, Texas. Primarily focused on the wholesale space. Do a little bit of creative finance, fix and flip, new construction. New to the build to rent space and excited about that thoroughly. <laughs> Got my guy O in the building. What's going what's on? What's up? What's up? Well, Neil Parker, real estate investor, entrepreneur. Um, man, I'm focused on cash flow. I like cash flow, but do all things in real estate as well. Man, I'm excited to talk about today because I'm trying to get into that. I'm trying to get into this government money. That's what I want. Yeah, my mind is because I'm doing the wrong blown. thing. I feel like yeah, I'm doing the wrong yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, you know you're working saying? too hard. Yeah, I'm working hard, bro. <laughs> we had we had Welby last week. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He got me feeling like I'm working too hard. Yeah. And I know we'll make it even worse. Because uh, <laughs> he's recession proof. Yeah. You know, Welby was talking about got a four unit building making six thousand a month. Yeah. That's four units. Noble got nine units making sixty five thousand a month. So, you know, we're doing the wrong things, man. Absolutely. So, Noble, you mind introducing yourself <laughs> to the people who yeah, may absolutely. not know? <laughs> absolutely, for sure. So, so my name is Noble. I'm the co-founder of a hospitality brand uh, based in Texas and uh, been in the uh, short-term rental space for about six years now. And, mm. uh, and then over the past few years, I've been uh, in the government contract space with my short-term rental business. So, we'll get into that. But uh, super excited to be here. Appreciate it. Awesome stuff. Yeah, I, we think, definitely... I think we're more excited than you, though. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is a fact. So you mentioned two things that's important. You said government contracting, short-term rental. Now, 
That's the combination know, you don't hear too often. You don't hear that that, that combination. Yeah. And also, we know that short-term rental's been under a lot of scrutiny lately. A lot of pressure. And we got a lot of folk going broke in that space. Yeah. I, I, I got a question. We're yeah. going to start off like this. How are you staying alive when most people are not? And what's the rules and stipulations that's going on in Dallas when it comes to short-term rental? Yeah, excellent question. So, so basically right now, and this is happening, believe it or not. Everywhere. Yes, all over the board. All these municipalities, jurisdictions have these regulations, ordinances they're putting out. You see people and like so, business just going straight down and, or what? Yeah, we have. We've seen people just cut and run and just, you know, wow. decide to sell their inventory of furniture. I'm getting ready to buy some right now for another <laughs> operator. So and, and and so recently, Dallas just uh, implemented an ordinance against STRs in residentially zoned neighborhoods. And so mm. if it's a single family in a residentially zoned neighborhood, uh, you cannot do less than 30 days, right? Did you have any in in those neighborhoods? Um, not single family. I did have multifamily. However, um, if I had single family and I was operating at less than 30 days, I would simply just pivot my business model, Yeah. right? Um, because the ordinance is very specific, as it is in most cities, mm. 30 days or less, right? So then how do you solve that problem? Don't find yourself in a position where you're doing less than 30 days stays and then it's not applicable to you. Nice. So you pivot. You pivoted. So in that pivot, did you 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 still utilize Airbnb to market or do you use other platforms to market? Great question. Great question. So we have a number of properties right now. And over the last over the course of the last couple of years, we've been moving that inventory of properties off of the OTAs, online travel agency. So the Airbnbs, the VRBOs. We've been moving our inventory what was the reason, though? off of that. Because we wanted to um, do direct business, right? Mm. And not be, not have that middleman there. So my and, question is to that, you know, how are you actually building up your business to do it directly if you're not getting the audience from the Airbnbs, the VBR, VBROs, Booking.com? So how are you actually building that audience yeah, on your own without, without them? So first and foremost, for anybody that's kind of starting in this space or they're fairly new, I would highly recommend that they start on yeah. Airbnb or a platform like that mm. because it's kind of like your training wheels in this space, mm. right? And there's They're a lot you can learn. Exactly. Yeah. And so, but over time, you know, you'll, so, so we play in a couple of different markets, a couple of different verticals, right? So, so corporate, um, healthcare, insurance, higher education, military, government relocation. Those are the primary ones that we play in, right? So to go after that book of business outside of the platforms, you need to be involved in sales, prospecting and sales. Right. Gotcha. You need to get involved in some old school prospecting and sales yeah. methods to attract that business. So I got another question. Let's talk about <laughs> it. So you mentioned a lot of different verticals. I think it was seven or eight of them. Mm -hmm. Which one is the least profitable? Mm -hmm. Which is the most profitable? Which is the easiest? And which one is the most headache? That's a lot of questions right there. But uh, That's a lot. Let's run it down. Yeah. So the... I would say the least profitable for us yeah. to date is probably going to be the transit guest, the transit Airbnb type guest. Mm. Okay. okay, basically so that's the least yeah. profitable. The least profitable. And for a lot wow. of people, that's the most profitable. Yes, th that is. That's ironic, right? So so that's yeah. our least profitable, and which you know is why we took so many of our properties off the platform. So we have 42 doors now. We only have three left on the platforms. And what's the average for one since you said it's the least profitable? Of one of those three? Yeah. 
So oh, we'll probably, so so those are near Dallas Cowboys Stadium and Texas Rangers ballpark. Right. So they stay, that's, you know, that's in the dream yeah. spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, what, yeah, that's <laughs> Airbnb. Like, yeah. I need a spot right On there. Steroid. And you like exactly nah. why we left those in place where they right. are. Um, but those properties, um, so one of them's a duplex, for example, in the entertainment district is what we call it, mm-hmm. and it'll do for both sides. It might do anywhere from twenty four hundred to three k a month. That's pat. Right? That's cash flow profit. That's gross. Okay. So, okay. But 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 then so those Net. are those that specific unit is an arbitrage, for example. Mm. Um, but the rent is like dirt cheap, it's like ten fifty. So wow. for each so side, net for each probably side. like maybe two thousand. Yeah, the net's around two thousand, sometimes twenty five hundred. And that's the yeah. least out of the eight that you. So have. that's after cleaning all of the yeah, fees. After expenses that's net. And stuff. So yes. net by two thousand. Mm. Yes. And you ain't happy with that? No, it's fine for that one because but overall it's, business it's, model that ain't. But no, that's our least. That's the least <laughs> profitable. Yeah, that's the least profitable. I'd be happy to make two thousand about four units. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Would so, you? Wow, bro, come on, man. That's, that's but he crazy. said as the least amount out of eight different strategies he got. Wow. So <laughs> so so wait a minute. So so you say it's the least profitable. Why is it the least profitable? And which one is your most profitable? So I think that one specifically is the least profitable because it's not consistently booked up, right? So mm. it's very heavy on the weekends. It's just fairly, yeah, fairly normal for uh, yeah. Um, there's seasonality built into mm, it, that sort of stuff. Not consistent. Um, you know, we we hit that slow period during January and February every year January where it's profit. not yeah, it's not anything going on. So when you add it all together, it's it's the least profitable. Mm. Um, conversely, the most profitable and the one I'm you know, most jazzed up about yeah. is the government space. Okay. Um, it's more specifically the federal government, right? And so you can do um, local and state government business and you can uh, get, you know, guests and clients for your short-term rental properties with local and state business. There's a market for that. Mm-hmm. But we play in the federal space um, because that's where the big revenue is. Yeah, you smiling um, hard. It got to be yeah. it's super exciting. <laughs> it got to be real big. So you say the minimum is... Two thousand on the Airbnb side, with the with the with the, the big dog looking like. Yeah, so let me give you a little bit of case study. Example. Oh yeah, I like, let's do it. Right, let's do so it. so you we kind of iterated to this in the beginning. So we are operating. So there's a company um, in Dallas Fort Worth that is a, a, a Fortune 500 company. So it's a large corporation. Okay, they are holding a DOD contract, a Department of Defense contract. Now in the federal space, um, there's different types of contracts, but they have what's called a prime contract. So a prime contract is a contract directly between one entity and the federal government. So it's a, just a, a two-party contract, okay? Yeah. So they're holding a defense DOD prime contract, and what happens is that's a pretty big contract. It's a very large contract. There's a lot of moving parts under it, right? Okay. And so this specific one is for training and recertification of, of helicopter pilots and mechanics, okay? Mm. And so... So under this training, the pilots have to come in and complete their retraining and certification in 30-day increments, okay? Mm. The mechanics come in in two-week intervals for their training and recertification, okay? Mm. Now, the thing about government contracts that I like is the government pays for everything. In this case, for the training, absolutely. They're paying for lodging and accommodations for these trainees. So why, why don't they go to a hotel? They do. And so I'll explain to you how we compete with the hotels, right? Okay. But the, but so so they they they're getting paid basically. They get a a, a per diem. Yeah. It's called a lodging per diem. So you can anybody around the country can Google this. You can just search, look up GSA lodging per diem and put in your zip code or city. Okay. And it's going to tell you what that nightly rate is that the government will pay up to. They'll gotcha. pay up to a ceiling, gotcha. right? Gotcha. So here's the beautiful part in the Dallas Fort Worth area. 
you know, we got into this first opportunity, the GSA rate, 167 a night, okay? So, mind you, pilots are coming in at 30-day intervals, okay? 167 a night times 30 nights is $5,010 a month, okay? So, because the pilots were coming in 30-day intervals, we were putting them in one bedroom. One bedroom, one bath. They have their own space. They're going to be there for a while. Um, done deal, right? Gotcha. So, that one bedroom, one bath is running us fourteen fifty a month. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. we got a couple hundred dollars on expenses. Gotcha. Five thousand ten dollars per door. We have five of those, so we're grossing twenty five k on just those five doors. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. So it's five thousand per bed. So it's per bed. It's it's, it's per so room. One bedroom. One, one bedroom. bedroom. One bath. So you're so housing one person them collectively. In one house, in in, in, in a two bedroom, we are. In the one bedroom is just the one pilot, got per you. per one bedroom. We've got, got we've got five of those. So each bedroom is making five k a month. There's five one bedrooms. That's twenty five k a month. Now here's where it gets good. This okay, it's already good. We have good. two bedroom, two bath units. Okay, okay. The mechanics only coming in two week intervals, so we're doubling them up. They each have a bed and bath, and they share the living and kitchen, that communal space. Okay, okay, okay. But because there is a second bath. And there's two bedrooms, it qualifies as its own billing. And so we can charge double for the two bedroom, two baths. So we're charging 167 a night times 30 nights times two people. Oh my so the God. two bed, two baths are generating uh. $10,020 a month every month consistently together with the five with the one bedrooms. That's 65K a month. That's how we get to it. Here's the deal. Here's where it gets even better. This is a five-year contract. We're in year three. This is oh. every month on autopilot, repeat revenue. So you're making sixty-five thousand a month for seven years. Is seven years total or five years? For five years. Sheesh. Yeah. So that changed your life, boy. Ah, uh, easy. So, so wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. So why, again, why wouldn't that person want to be in a hotel by themselves with that same one sixty-seven? Great question. Great question. So if you are, for, for those of us that are in the space, in the short-term rental space, mm-hmm. like um, our product, our USP, our unique selling proposition mm-hmm. is the product differentiator. Our product in a short-term rental property that has all the amenities of a home is mm-hmm. far superior than a hotel product. Mm-hmm. Ah, hands down. So You're in your own space, too. You got your own exactly, space. Exactly. But you don't have cleaners. You don't have that piece. Oh, but you can. You can. So there's add-on and upsell opportunities oh, with this, too. So I'm just talking options. about the bedroom revenue. Absolutely. There's add-on and upsell opportunities with this, too, right? Um, so so there's a number of ways to monetize it. But at the end of the day, they're looking, if you look at, like, product versus product, ours is far superior than a hotel room. Absolutely. Damn. That's a fact. This is crazy. So, so wait a minute. <laughs> so wait a minute. So you're far superior in a, like, in the way the aesthetics of the property look, but you're not far superior in a accommodation standpoint from cleaning every day, all of the things, how are you getting around that? And then what is the price differential that makes you more competitive? Yeah. Great question. So there is no price dif- differential, right? Okay. So with the GSA rate, um, so like in Dallas Fort Worth, 167 a night. So that's your ceiling. You can't exceed that GSA rate. Gotcha. Right. So now a hotel, and and there are a couple, so we're basically on a list. So when these people are coming in for their training, they get to choose where they want to stay. Gotcha. But when Mm. they're looking at our product versus, uh, you know, Holiday Express or anything like that, it's it's a no-brainer. So we stay booked. Like, we just stay booked. Um, And and then that's just based off those nine doors. 
And so from a price standpoint, the hotels can drop their price lower than that 167 a night. And there are a couple of them that do, but still the value of what you're getting for your money, it's it doesn't, it. yeah, it doesn't compare. So they don't complain about the cleaning? No, not at all. So we have an option where, especially for now for the uh, 30 night stays for the pilots, mm-hmm. we will have a cleaner show up once or twice. Gotcha. So, and then they have the option of adding additional cleanings, but there's an additional fee on that. Right. But they're happy to pay that for somebody to come. If they want them once a week to come in, um, they're happy to pay that. So there are options for them to get additional cleanings. That's crazy, dog. <laughs> so hold on, hold on. So these government contracts for houses like that, you say you're working with pilots specifically. What about if somebody don't have an airport near, do they still have contracts for just other people, like other industries, like let's just say a railroad crew or anything else? Yes. So with this specific one that I just referenced, this one is not near an airport. Um, however, the training is specifically for pilots and and and, and helicopter mechanics. Mm. Okay. And so it's a very specific training, but the training is being um being put on through the Department of Defense, right? And they're the ones paying. Gotcha. Yeah. So you get a check every month for sixty-five thousand? Yes. Is it is, is direct deposit? So with this one, so I'm, we'll get to that in a second. So there's a couple of ways that you can get paid from the government. Yeah, I want to. Okay. So with this one, because the trainees have the option of picking where they're going to stay, um, then they'll pay for it themselves, and it's reimbursable because it doesn't exceed the GSA rate. Now here's the thing: um, before we put these properties into play under this uh, contract, they were running as traditional Airbnb properties. A lot of people don't understand the government will not re- uh, reimburse federal employees, service members, anybody in that sector. For Airbnb stays. Why is that? They don't. That, that's just not something that they uh, are on board with. They don't. Mm. They don't understand Airbnb. They're not in bed with Airbnb. They won't reimburse for Airbnb stays. Um, so this is a very much a direct booking play. Where yes, they have to the book direct with us, and they're able to get that reimbursed because we don't exceed the GSA rate. This is like a. One in a lifetime opportunity. So how even how did you even get to this point? Yeah, I need to know that. So let me give you a little backstory. So <laughs> in my um, previous life, in my W two back in, I'm going to date myself a little bit. Back in 2014, mm. um, I was just doing. Yeah, so I was working for a technology company, and that's kind of my background in technology and sales and marketing and stuff. Working for a technology company. Um, one of the companies I worked for was fairly new. It was a fairly new startup company, mm-hmm. and part of my role was to get us in a position to get technology uh, contracts at the federal level. So mm. that's how I cut my teeth on it and learned it. Mm. And, uh, and so then I had a light bulb moment in my short-term rental business uh, one day. Why am I not doing this in this business? It's just a different product or service. But the process is the same to position your, your company, your entity to do business at the federal level. Mm. And once we implemented that, it was just up and to the right. So how would somebody wow. even position themselves to start getting like these types of contracts? And why would you even share it with with with, with the with the public? Well, first of all, the reason I, I so I love talking about this. I get super yeah. excited. Me I start too. talking yeah, fast. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I'm excited. Right? <laughs> so so but here's the reality. There is so I here's how I like to explain it. The federal government has the single largest accounts payable on the planet, the US mm. federal government. Larger than any other country, organization, entity, enterprise, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of that money is allocated to federal contracts, to contract work. And then there's money that's set aside for, um, you know, for small business enterprises. 
specifically woman-owned, veteran-owned, minority-owned, right, business enterprises. And so there's a lot more opportunity out there than people realize, so much so um, that there's a lot that goes wasted and unused mm. and untapped, especially by our community. Mm. And so um, so I, I feel like I play in a very blue ocean. So in, in the Airbnb space, in the traditional STR space, a lot of the hosts are competing for the same transit guest. So it's a very bloody ocean, like sharks going after meat, right? I'm playing over here in this area where competition is, and even if everybody that's in the STR space could come play in this space, Uh there's there's too much money exchanging hands, right? So why wouldn't the hotels get word of you and be like, yo, like... We need to get him out. Yeah, we need to get him out. (laughs) What a snipers. You know what I'm saying? I'm so glad you brought that up. So I'm going to give you another case study, right? Now, this one's not mine. This is one of my students. Okay. Right? You thought mine was good. This one's clutch. So I have a student. We identified an opportunity. Okay. So we wanted to go after it, right? So the government uh, put out uh, what's called an RFI, Request for Information Solicitation, basically. Mm-hmm. And they said, hey, uh, this was in uh, Alabama. So this was in Alabama. And they say, hey, we're going to be doing training through the Department of Justice to the ATF. Okay? And so uh, that training is going to last uh, a number of years, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to last four to five years mm-hmm. and we need to house these people during the trainings. Cause the training is going to be in two week intervals and it's going to be consistent. It's going to be overlapping classes, you know, at 50 students, you know, each class with multiple overlapping classes. Mm-hmm. We need an inventory of, um, you know, of uh, lodging accommodations to house these people. Okay. Right. And they said, however, um, we need it within a 10 mile radius of this specific base. Okay. Wow. And so we, so, so we identified the opportunity, right? Um, myself and a student I'm working with. And so we said, let's go after this. So in the RFI phase, the request for information, the government's just gathering information to see how feasible this is going to work. And so in that phase, we responded to the RFI, right? Okay. And we pitched short-term rentals using apartment units, okay? Now, they specifically called out hotels in this RFI. Mm-hmm. They, they said hotels and motels. Mm-hmm. We pitched STRs, and we gave a we gave a, a very d- defined answer of why we think STRs would be um, at the same price point as a hotel would be a better option. Because again, yeah. you got that GSA ceiling, right? Yes, so same price point, but better option. So they said there's a 50 door minimum for this opportunity. You have to be able to come to the table with 50 doors uh-huh. and be able to provide that for five years. Okay. So we said, we don't know if they're going to accept the STR play because we're introducing it to, to right. the Department to, of Justice yeah. through the ATF. We're introducing it to them. So what we did was we said, and I, and I taught him this strategy too, we're going to go out, we're going to broker some hotel rooms. Yes. So how they work? So, then, how they, how they, how they, so this is what we did. This yeah, we is what got, we did. We to break so, that down. So, so then I, I had my man and his team go out and talk to, inside this 10-mile radius, the government had a requirement for talk to hotels in the space who weren't one aware that there was even a solicitation out from the government. Why wouldn't they be aware? Because they don't, they don't, they they don't have the, yeah, they don't have the sales team that's active in the space. You have to be aware after the government contract. They're not going to knock on your door. So so, so then canvas that inside that 10 mile radius, find some hotel opportunities where we can partner with them. We'll put the rooms under contract and then we'll resell them back to the federal government. So what he was able to do was go out and partner with a Marriott Fairfield Inn and a Marriott courtroom, 50 doors each. So you got and, we pitched, and we pitched the apartment community was a new development, 50 doors, 150 doors. So submitted the solicitation, right? This gets good. 
submitted the solicitation. Damn. Um, had to wait a couple months. Had to wait a couple months. They're doing their thing, this, that, and the other. They came back. They said, um, not only are you an award recipient for this contract, but we're interested in all the properties, all three of them. Okay. All, one the, oh, all three properties. The value of this contract is seven point four million over five years. Oh. He just got awarded that less than two weeks ago. Damn. So wait a minute. Oh my god. That's so what's the spread difference? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that bag between the hotel price and the government price? Yeah. So here's what I'll tell you because I can't disclose everything. Yeah. But here's what I'll tell you. Um. So we're brokering the hotels. There was two. There's two things that came into play. One. The government said if you're basically um, participating kind of like as a broker middleman, uh-huh. you have to get an LOI from the ownership of the property to submit with your bid response mm-hmm. to say that they're And for the they're people who may not know, what's the LOI? It's a letter of intent. Gotcha. So you have to get a letter of intent on their letterhead with their ownership information saying that, yes, they'll partner with you to make their inventory available for this specific use case. Okay, So you had to get with management or had to get with the actual owner? So both owners of the Fairfield and the Courtyard wrote LOIs for us to submit along with our beer response. And why wouldn't they just undercut you? One, they didn't know about it. Mm -hmm. Two, they didn't have time to even... Submit. Submit. This, yeah, it takes a while yeah, yeah, to work yeah, through yeah, a submittal. Yeah. Well, they didn't have the knowledge, nor did they have the time or the expertise. How did, right. you, how did you actually so, get in touch with the owner, though? Because I know a lot of people may think that's, that's hard to do. So, not necessarily. So, so I, I have a hotel background, too. So, I, I started in hotels back in the 90s. But, so in hotels, and it doesn't matter, even the smaller ones, limited stay properties, there's typically going to be one or more salespeople. So, the limited stay, the Fairfield, the entire, there's one salesperson. But they handle a lot of different verticals uh, outside of corporate and stuff. Mm-hmm. One of those is the government space. So some people have more knowledge of it than others. But typically, one salesperson, they can't juggle all of their sales activity and submit a bid response. There's gotcha. way too much. Gotcha. In larger full-service hotels, you may have a team of salespeople. It could be four, five, ten, depending on how large the property is. Mm. There may be one or more solely dedicated to the government market, right? Gotcha. And so they would have more knowledge of something like this. Um, but typically the government isn't looking for a full-on, full-service, large hotel property, right? So so that's how, uh, so to answer your question about the spread, so the idea is you want to go in, let them know, you know, this is this is what we, we want to partner with you on, mm-hmm, basically, mm-hmm. Um, for X amount of doors, 50 minimum, over five years, and the client is the federal government. And so we want to put those doors under contract should we win this uh, bid opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and and we want to partner with you in that. So that's guaranteed revenue for the hotel owner. Right? Yep. And from the federal government. And then um, we're just keeping the spread. So in this instance, he was able to negotiate enough of a spread where he doesn't have to worry about check-ins and check-outs. Cleaning. He doesn't worry, have to worry about cleaning. He doesn't worry, have to worry about laundries and linens and wake-up calls. None of that. He collects his check every month. And to your point earlier about how you get paid monthly, this one is being paid monthly through ATF, through Department of Justice, as opposed to the one I was doing where they swipe. Wow. Right? So his check, so how does, so, so. <laughs> the check that he gets, so that goes to the hotel first, the hotel cut him a check, or the check goes to him first and he cut the hotel a check? Exactly. The check goes from the federal government to his entity first. Wow. And then he cuts the hotel a check. And tell me this. Damn. Can you speak to somewhat of what that profit will look like? A range. A range. Yeah. yeah. So I can tell you that the spread, let me do some quick math in my head. Well, take your time. Um, so man. 50 doors. Um, see, it's 
And I pull out the calculator. Yeah, yeah. I, I know, right? I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to do, me, yeah, trying to do yeah, mental yeah, math. Yeah, it's, pull it's, it's rough. It's rough. So let me see. Let me see. So 50 dollars. I want to know, man. Just a little range. Just a little range. I think that's important, you know. So Let's see. Yeah, it's going to be north of... So there's two of these properties now. Okay. But it'll be north of 20 k a month per property. So he looking like 60 or 40? He'll be a, north of 40 for those two, just the hotel properties. Mm. Yeah, he'll be north of 40 in profit. So he 40 k a month, no responsibilities. Correct. And that now, <laughs> the 50-unit the, the department development, that's the lucrative one. That's the lucrative well, one. Because he was able to get the rents at a cheaper price. Yep. He because cause locking up 50 doors. So imagine right. negotiation there for an extended period of time with the federal government being the end user wow. clients. Yeah. Um so and win, the win. spread on that is It's a win-win-win-win-win. Absolutely. 100 percent But he has to front that money to that apartment complex. So that's a lot ah, of deposits. So, so yeah. That's part of the negotiation. That's part of negotiation. Right? No so another, that, I'm glad you brought that up because the good thing to keep in mind, this is for everybody listening. The federal government pays in arrears. They pay 30 days in arrears. Yeah. So you can't, unless you got you deep on yeah. cash, you can't run this play and be fronting first month's rent, security deposit, furnishing 50 units, all of that on the front end. So you negotiate the first month's rent, reduced or no security deposit, um, you know, and then what he did in this situation with the apartments was he negotiated with a, a rental company. Mm. So then he's renting, but it's a rent to own. So wow. he's yes, yes. That's yes. clever. That's clever. I like Ooh, that. Yeah. So I, man. there you go. <laughs> how, how, okay. How does more people not know about this? So how, how small is this community? Because yeah. see, it can't be big. What community? The government contracting real estate community. It's very small. It's very small. Um, and that's that's part of the problem. That's why I like talking about it because more of us need to be involved in. There's so much opportunity there. It's ridiculous. And here's the thing: the federal government has a contract for some of the most obscure Crazy stuff, stuff you could hairstylists. Yeah, there's contracts for hairstylists through the federal. Yes, I know. That's what uh, I said. They got it's contracts a, for tissue. There's contracts paper. for everything. Yeah. Right. So there's no shortage. Wow. Yeah, my dad got a contract too. So you you teach people how to essentially get into the government contracting space by just in general. In general, yes, because what I do is just based on my background and how I've executed in my business. But the process is the same despite the product or service. The process of, of getting access to these opportunities is the same. It's and the same. that's the beautiful part. Once you learn, it's kind of a trade, really, if you think about it. Yeah. It's a trade or a skill set. Once you learn the trade of like federal procurement, you can apply that to almost any business model so for the you, rest of your entrepreneurial life. So you learn that, you should never be broke. You really shouldn't. <laughs> so, okay, what is the whole process look like once you start your LLC? What does that process look like? Because, of course, you need an LLC and all that other stuff. So from starting your LLC to applying or filling out a form to get a government contract, about how much time is that? Yeah, so great question. So let me run you through some like prerequisite level stuff, yeah, okay. right? Some foundational stuff. So and this is business one-on-one stuff that should be applicable for everybody that has a, a business. So first and foremost, the government, um, they love experience. So you need to be knowledgeable about the product or service that you're offering to them, right? You can't come in, mom and pop just started Brand yesterday. New, yeah. You don't know what the heck you're doing. You know, that's not going to look good. 
Um, so they, they like experience, right? So for somebody that's just kind of out of the gate, that obviously they're going to need their entity and stuff like that. But here's some things that you need to know if you're going to go ahead and apply to do, as a vendor for them. Mm -hmm. um, the government wants to make sure that you have actual place of business. Now, that doesn't mean you need a physical building, mm -hmm. but you need a physical business address. Absolutely. So that means, Virtual. Yes. No no home address, no P.O. box. Mm. You can go with like a Regis or DaVinci or WeWork, potentially. What about, because I know people, you know, go inquire. What about like the FedEx stores, things like that? You want to stay away from those? Yeah, you you, you really want to try to avoid any things like P.O. box associated. So virtual type, address type, mm -hmm. to stick yeah. to those. Yeah, oh, you, real you, you want like a real office building that okay. a lot of times they'll offer the mail service and pick up where you can yeah. come and use the conference center every once in a while. So mm. you want a real business address. You want a real business phone number. So typically that's going to mean not your Google Voice type stuff, right? Um, and not a cell phone. So mm. they, because they can tell. So you want to have like a, a true business line, like through a company like a Regis or a Ring Central or, or a Grasshopper, one of those services. Right. Wow. Um, you'll want to have your own website. You need that presence, right? The mm -hmm. online presence. And then you want the professional email address to go with that. They don't want to see Gmails, Yahoo's, anything like that. So you need to be like a legit, true business, business. entity operation. Okay. Right. Then go through the whole process. We've all heard it in a, in a lot of other rooms of, of, of getting your EIN, your done, your DUNS number and all of that traditional stuff, listing yourself on the 411 directory, do that. Then, once everything is aligned, mm -hmm. that's both offline and off online. That mm -hmm. means everywhere your business information shows up, it needs to match. Yeah. The government's gonna look at it. If there's a, if something doesn't match, they then they're gonna be like, <laughs> they out of there, right? Break. <laughs> yes. So make sure everything aligns. Then you want to go and then submit the application. That's where you go to sam.gov and get started in filling out that process. Now, here's the thing: people have tackled, tried to tackle that on their own. It can get kind of cumbersome. I'm not going to lie. So well, you, you can you can pay somebody to do it for you? You can, but I'm going to give you a free resource. Mm. There's an organization um, called PTAC, uh, Procurement Technical Assistance Centers. They're mm. PTAC advisors. Their sole job is to help small business entrepreneurs get set up to do business at the federal level. Mm. And it's free. Wow. Yeah, so you can just Google PTAC advisor in your city or zip code. You can set up an appointment to have a discovery call. And then they'll walk you through the process efficiently and effectively getting registered. P-TAC advice. Hey, that's yes. a whole gym right there. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. So wait a minute. Wait, they'll wait, set wait. you up for free. Yes. Are they free. good, though? Is it do it feel free? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's free. That's their job. But that's I'm saying, you know, you know, it's the difference. So they probably get... part of the government, though, right? Yeah, so that's, that's yeah, the government the government program. probably yes. paid through, them to through, do that. The SBA. Gotcha. SBA. But I, what I'm saying when I say does it feel free, is it one of those situations where you got to hurry up and wait, you know, you get the voice. Oh, mail. I see what you're saying. Uh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Um, so, you set up an appointment, you got to wait three months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that type of free. And then, yeah. when they, and then when they pick up the phone, they tell you, let me transfer you over to uh, this person, that person, that person. <laughs> yeah, I, that's a so good question. So typically you'll get assigned to an advisor. Okay. And that'll be your appointed person that, okay. you'll, that you'll work with directly. Now, I will say, not every PTAC is created equally, right? Okay. So you, you might run into that occasional PTAC who you like, you know, you got to hit them over the head or whatever. But that's their job. That's what they do. They can mm -hmm. help you with that. And they can also help you with applying for your minority socioeconomic status. So, you know, MWBE certifications, woman-owned, veteran-owned, that sort of stuff. How much does those cost? PTACs are free. That's a free service. So everything, what you just named, the number, I don't know what 
initials. The last number you said, like minority number, all that, all that's free. Yeah, the the certifications, um, the minority woman business enterprise MWBE, the um, uh, veteran owned uh certification, the dis dis disabled veteran certification, and the uh the minority, and then there's another one that's a hub one. Um, all of those certifications you can go through the PTAC for free. So once you go to PTAC, you show up. Let's just say you make your appointment. Once you make your appointment. Like, how long does it take to actually get in the office? Like, a week, two weeks? So, good question. So, depend depends how in order your business stuff is, right? Mm. So, that's the if most important yes, part. Yes, if it's all in order, I've seen people get through it in less than 30 days. I've seen people try to tackle it on their own. Nine months later, they're pulling their hair out, no, frustrated and confused, but they owe back taxes. Whoa. Don't mess with Uncle Sam. If you owe taxes, don't even start. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Because yeah, they're yeah, going to yeah, check, yeah. right? <laughs> so make sure all, everything's in order. Right. For your, for your business. And you tell my personal and business-wise. Yes. Yes. <laughs> mm. So once you book your appointment, you got the P-TECH thing. By how long does it take to get it? Hey, all you approve with the government, you get your now. So normally, I would say 60-ish days okay. in that two-month range. Yeah, between mm. 30 and 60 days. So I'm starting your LLC to actually getting approved to be a vendor maybe three months. Yeah, you can definitely do it in three months. So now we see oh, where the discrepancy is in people in the space. That's why it's a blue ocean. Right. Nobody want to wait three months. Everybody ain't trying to do that. And right. everybody ain't trying to figure all these things out. And it's a lot to figure out, too. It's a lot to figure out. A lot of people, taxes ain't in order. Yep. <laughs> so I'm sure you got to be on, up to date on your taxes, too. Yes, definitely. So that's the problem right there. At the end of the day, that's the problem right there. So you you using QuickBooks or you using other software to kind of manage your? Yep, QuickBooks. Yep. Now we 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 have a bookkeeper and we have a CPA. So you got both. Yeah. So 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 that whole process streamlined. But even for someone starting up, you know, if you've been in business, again, the government likes experience. So you know, don't be you know, haven't been in business for two weeks, right? Mm. If you've been in business and you've generated some income from that business and you've kept clean books. Right. Even if you haven't hit your first your tax season yet, um, you kept clean books, then go ahead and go through the process. Right. Well, I see why it's a blue ocean. Absolutely. People shit ain't in all that. <laughs> That's a fact. I see why though. Cause that, you gotta realize a lot of businesses are messy, bro. Messy. It's like what, maybe 10% of business in product? Yeah. So here's yeah. the thing. So we've seen, we've seen, and we have students right now, we've seen people that have started new businesses, mm -hmm. but they have experience previously either in a W-2 or as an entrepreneur in that space. Mm. So that is considered relevant experience gotcha. to the government. Mm. So the 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 so so then they will start up a new entity, right? Um use their relevant experience to then go after opportunities. So that's still possible. Yes. I like this, man. Yeah, this is beautiful. From uh, banking standpoint, right? I know that with that kind of cash flow, I'm sure that opens you up to all kind of funding, lines of credit, banking, support. Oh, you're a private. You're old private yeah. client at Chase at that point. What What does that side of the business look like? Yeah, so we have multiple accounts. Um, one because the FDIC only insures a few. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we have multiple accounts. Um, we are set up. So I, we use this business model called profit first. Okay. So there's a book called profit first by Mike McCallowitz. Um, and essentially you're breaking your banking down into like five different categories. So you, mm. you, you're separating your taxes out, right? You're separating your OPEX out. You're separating your, you paying yourself out, right? You're separating your, 
you know, paying your people out. So there's different different accounts that are set up, right? Yeah. Um, so and and then well, the idea is is that you're pulling profit first. You're pulling, you're paying yourself first, essentially. Absolutely. Right. Um, and so once we executed that model, because of the amount of revenue that we had coming in, it required us to open up multiple business accounts, right? Yeah. Um Sound but like them accounts the, the beautiful thing is, the beautiful thing is, um, is our taxes are are, are or what we would anticipate to pay in taxes are set aside. Now, what this business will do, uh, both personally and professionally, it'll you'll be taxed differently, right? Because it's a very high cash flow business, right? But that's a good thing because then it makes you more intentional about going and purchasing, you know, wealth generating assets. So then going out and purchasing real estate to offset that, right? Mm. So, but from a banker perspective, all all of our banks love us. But here's the thing: we are in really good with the smaller regional banks and the credit unions, right? Are they opening lines of credit for y'all? Absolutely. They're doing what it, basically whatever y'all want because yeah. y'all are bringing in so much money. Yes. And flow. Uh, uh, yes. And, and, you and, know? It's, and it's guaranteed and they understand our business model and we built these relationships with the bankers. So what do those lines of credit look like when you're bringing <laughs> in that kind of money? Yeah, so we can do signature loans now um, where we're just walking. Yeah, so that's different. That well, is well, different. Break down on a signature yeah, loan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so a signature loan is basically where you can walk in and you can get a loan just by writing your signature. So you, it's 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 not no qualifications, no personal nothing. qualifications on it. They look at the revenue, yeah. They look at the, re- the <laughs> revenue that your business is generating, um, and so and, but that's useful, right? Yeah. Because when you land an opportunity, this is a multi-door, multi-year opportunity, like what I was just describing, and you have the ability to go and float the furniture or the first month's rent if you're not able to negotiate that about that back out, then that becomes very important. So when you can w- go in and do a signature loan for six figures. So you get well, approved same day, you get the money same day? Yes, you get it. it so it's then the private wired. money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so let's so, just, let me, I need an example. I need example. <laughs> so let's just say you got a 10-unit building. They want 150000 You could just walk in the bank. Here's my my uh, purchase contract. Could I get one fifty wired to the title company? If, if you have the contract or the revenue to support it. Yes. You yeah. sign it so, and they send it the money mm-hmm, just like absolutely. that. So you so can you, close in a week. You can close in a yes. You can close in yeah, less than a week. I never heard this shit before. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the end of the day, you heard the, reason why, the reason why I heard it, because you know I went to the to the to the meeting. Uh, I'm talking about before the meeting. Nah, not before the meeting. <laughs> So here's the thing, though, because what I was thinking about immediately when he started talking about $65,000 a month. Yeah, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot coming gross. through a bank. Oh, it gross. Gross. Yeah. gross. Even, it don't even matter, though, yeah. because they look at flow. Mm-hmm. Banks look at flow. Right. Yeah, and the banks understand government contracts. Like, they understand that's guaranteed federal yeah. money. Mm. Like, once that money... So the, the federal government, just like a lot of organizations, they set aside this money, and they, it's use it or lose it. They have to spend it. Mm. And they have to spend it before the fiscal year ends. So the fiscal year for the federal government ends the end of September every year. Mm. So, so they need to now, get a lot now, right now. There's a run on. They're just spitting yeah. out money right now between now and the end of September. It's ridiculous, right? They need and to get so, it so, but they understand that that's guaranteed money um, that's coming from the federal government, and that carries a lot of weight when you're able to take a contract in and say, this is the profit, I'm, uh, the revenue I'm generating and this is the contract that supports So on that 65000 you mentioned gross, what does the net look like on something like that, typically? Yeah, so about 40 of it is net. You said it like it's a little number. <laughs> <laughs> well, so here's the thing, because 
it's not like a traditional STR, so we don't deal with a lot of turns. We're not turning yeah, the property. You're not really, you're not really yeah. paying for nothing. We're not doing multiple cleans. Yeah. We're not the the amount of uh you know consumables is is way down, right? Um the 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 um restocking is way down. Like everything, the cadence of everything slows down significantly. Because so you're not doing support to, yeah. to quick turn and burn. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why it's a more profitable. So what you was doing for your nine to five? Uh, so I worked in t- technology. I worked in technology. So what you was making a year when you did that? Um, I finished as a sales engineer, so I was doing six figures, and then I, my last role was this commission sales. So this life changing money, then? Absolutely. So, oh, most definitely. So let me ask you this: How did your life change from going from you know six figures to you know you making six figures a quarter? How did your life change? Did you change? Did you stay the same? You bought a little whip. Good you know. question. Good question. So a little bit of backstory. Yeah. So so people kind of understand the context. Um, so I was doing the, the W-2 thing. I liked my job. Yeah. I, you know, I, I would have never envisioned being an entrepreneur. I liked my job. My wife gets sick. She, she found out she has a brain tumor, right? Wow. So, oh, so wow. yeah, so she so so then we had to schedule it, get it, you know, go in for the surgery, whatnot. Took a lot of time. Um, you know, six to eight hour surgery took 14 hours, ends up Whoa, being. Oh, so she ends up in the ICU, the second day in the ICU. She's um waking up because she sleep a lot. She's waking up and just having these bouts, these fits, trying to pull all of her wires and, and, yeah, and cords out yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And uh, and then they would just you know give her some more pain stuff or medication yeah, to put her back out, right? Um. So she ended up the second day. She ended up flatlining in the ICU twice. And uh, a long story short, it turns out that uh, she's allergic to morphine, and they had her on a morphine drip, was killing Ooh. her organs from the inside. Yeah. So, Shit. fortunately enough, she's out in the lobby right now. She's with yes. us today, right? Thank God. Yes. And uh, so she got she got released from the hospital on Christmas Eve that year, never forget. And so I had to make a decision. I was either going to go back to work and grind or stay home and take care of her. I elected to stay home and take care of her. And so, you know, she had to learn everything from scratch, how to raise her spoon to her mouth, oh, how to walk God. again, that was, that was a lot of work. speaking with slur, how to speak, all of that, right? Because a brain tumor is like a major surgery. Um, so... Uh, so, so she goes through the whole rehab process, everything. I go back to work. And, and y'all have kids? We have, we have three kids. They're young, oh. young at the time. How, how long yeah. is that at work? Uh, almost eight weeks. Almost so eight weeks. So you had to do short-term disability? Uh, that whole, the whole nine yard had a, had a $260,000 hospital bill, even with insurance. 260? Yep. 260 K. Whoa. Yep. So that's a whole nother podcast. So, <laughs> so, so, Whoa. so, so then I go back to work, but I got called in for a company-wide sales meeting. Cause at the time I'm a sales engineer. And I get berated, ripped by the CEO on not a, not we have Zoom now, but it's a video conference call. Yeah, I but in front the, of everybody. Yes, all of the salespeople around the country. I just get ripped for my dismal sales numbers for the previous six to eight weeks. When you weren't there, everybody in the whole company knew what we were going through, what we were dealing with. Yeah, and so in that moment, I made a decision. I'm not my time is not going to be beholden to someone else. Absolutely, I'm gonna put my head down and grind and work myself out of this job. I, I cashed out after I hit a couple of like seven figure big um, uh, deals, mm-hmm. um, and then I left and I started a marketing agency um, on the heels of that in the same space. Um, and because I had been in that space for over ten years, I had mm-hmm. a lot of contacts. Marketing thing took off. Found out what MRR is, monthly recurring revenue. Yeah. Fell in love with that. That's really where things started to shift for us. But then fast forward, I found out about STRs. Went to this mastermind in California, a bunch of operators out there put it on. They were doing stuff at a high level. Me and my wife were like, we can do this back at home, back in Texas. Came back, put our heads down, went to work. And what year is it? This was 20, uh, that mastermind was in 2017, early 2017. Wow. Yeah. So your wife 
is like a business partner? Absolutely, one thousand percent. And so, how is she from a from a cognitive standpoint? Is yeah. she having any deficits? Does it? I mean, how does that work? Yeah, good question. So she has some. There were some side effects, and they said this is going to happen. So the tumor um, was sitting in a place where it covered her what's called the olfactory nerve. Mm. They had to sever it to remove the tumor that controls her sense of taste and smell, so she can no longer taste and smell for the rest of her life. What? Um, so she lost that, and they said she'll deal with. Some issues of memory, you know, recall and stuff, mm-hmm. like short-term memory, which she still has little little issues with it today. But outside of that, she's 100% healthy, So, which we're, mm-hmm. we're grateful for. So we don't even focus on the, the other stuff. She's yeah. healthy, still here, all that good stuff. That's a hell of a story, man. Yes, Wow. How, how, old is, how old is your kids? So they're older now and grown now. So I'm going to date myself a little bit. So my oldest is 27. Uh, mm. Then we have a middle one is 20, 21, and then our youngest is uh, 19. Okay. Man. That's, that's crazy. That's a lot of debt, too. A lot of debt. Ooh. Yeah. That's so, a, yeah. have you, <laughs> are you still tackling the hospital bill, or you just gave it to, to, to the, who the you gave it to? <laughs> to the credit bureau, like, look, y'all figure this out. <laughs> so, we were able to... Uh, Get a lot of that negotiated off. Okay. <laughs> a Amen. lot of it. Yeah. Amen. Um, to, into the six figures because it's just ridiculous. Yeah, like brain, yeah, absolutely. brain surgery is retarded. It's, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the, we, we ended up doing some small payment plan for amount of time, got that knocked off. So, what was that good. negotiation process like? Um, we can't pay it. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as that. Uh, y'all hey, gonna have to figure something out with this. That's the house, yeah. bro. Did that affect yeah. credit or? It 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 didn't ultimately end up affecting credit. They were they were basically threatening us that they were going to attach it to our credit and this and that. But they understand, like you know, I I, I at the time what I was come? yeah, I, three I was, kids, yeah, house car, exactly. It was too it's, much. It it, it didn't it, make sense. It was too much. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's life saving surgery. So we're like, like the surgeon who did it, his brother, um, his, his name was Michael. Um, you know, so shout out to him. But like like you know, we'll always rock with them in the hospital and the staff and stuff. But for real, like quarter of a million dollars. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was life like when you had that job? What was life like? Um, I liked that job. I liked it a lot. Um, I certainly wasn't anything like it is today because you know, we I didn't live paycheck to paycheck, but things were tighter. I could I didn't have the freedom right. to do what I wanted, pretty much when I wanted, how I wanted to. Um, and so, so he's kind of like traditional, not I was middle not, class. Ab- absolutely. And I was working more than 40 hours a week. You know, absolutely. I, I was probably pushing 60, 65, you know, Damn. you know, so, you know, it was a normal, you know, working middle class family type of lifestyle. So how's life now? Totally different. <laughs> totally different. What, let's talk about those differences. Yeah. What yeah, those what, differences what, what, what look like? Like? How they manifest? Yeah. So, um, after we kind of got started and took off in the SDR space, you know, at that time, my wife was still working, so she uh, she was working in the school district. So retired my wife, right? Nice. Uh, immediately, shout she's, out to that. Yeah, she started yeah. she started the business with me, um, and, and we done been through it. We've been married, uh, be twenty nine years in October. Damn, that's <laughs> my age, man. Been yeah, through it. So I was fed with date myself. So so we've been we've been through it. We've been through it all. She's been with me the whole time. So so retired her. She hadn't worked since. You know, not not for anyone else. Mm. Um, and then have been able to do some things. You know, for my for my family, uh, for my parents, for my sisters you know, for extended family, for her family. And so it's it's different when um, you're the kind of the first in your generation or even in multiple generations mm-hmm. um, to be able to do things for your loved ones. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That, that, that don't include, 
you know, struggle or don't include, um, you know, we'll do it next year or something like that. Um, because that's where we came from. Right. And, and my parents certainly, uh, didn't have any money. <laughs> so, so is that, I, I hear you saying that, do you have good times with that and bad times? Or are they all good? Cause you know, when you highly successful in your family, everybody coming to yeah, you, like, coming. you know, <laughs> I just need 5,000. <laughs> I just need 5,000 by today. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, that's an excellent question. Like, um, how is that? So the sad reality is, is that you kind of grow beyond some people and that includes family. Mm. And that's the sad part. Um, what, what and, you mean by that grow beyond people? So you, you, and, and, you know, on the way up, like you can't take everyone with you. No, you, you would can't. like you would like to if you could, but one, not everyone's cut out for it, Facts. right? And some people are gonna drag you down more than Facts. push you up, right? right. Um, and then you know, s- some people don't have a desire for financial freedom or wealth or anything like fact. that, right? And so, um, so you know, we have to move with people that we have synergy with that are moving in the same direction, right? Um, and so, unfortunately. For some of for some of those that those are family members, um, you know that we can't we we can't rock with like we used to. We are gonna go to the picnic. Yeah, we're gonna eat yeah, the barbecue. Yeah. We're gonna sit shake the right. hand, but uh, yeah. after that, but, get out uh, my fish. And, and, and to your point, like you know, people do ask. Oh, hey, I know. You know, <laughs> hey, cuz you know, I got you know. Um, they come with that bullshit, but in the beginning, how you been? <laughs> hey man, get to the point. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So there, there get is to the that. Yeah, yeah. What you want? So, so there is that. But outside of that, I mean. It's just, um, you know, to be able to put, you know, I have two kids going to Texas Tech University wow. to be able to uh, afford that, quite frankly. Yeah. Two good, huh? on top. Yes. Like to be able to do stuff Stress like that. Stress-free. Yes. Yes. <sighs> yeah, that's a beautiful situation. <laughs> hey, man, bro. Because a, a lot of people, situation. you know, a lot of people stressed out, bro. That's a fact. But um, what's your, I know you, earlier you mentioned you have eight different strategies, how you making money. What is your favorite? Because I don't think we covered the favorite. We caught we covered the least profitable and the less profitable. What is your absolute yeah. favorite at this time? So I definitely the, the government is my favorite, but I'll tell you my second favorite. What's your second? Um, which is something we just recently started doing. Okay. How right? recent? How recent? So eight months. Mm-hmm. Eight so months. It's ago. Fresh. Yeah, it's very fresh. It's a new baby. It's it's new and I'm super excited about it, right? Nice. So I'm excited too. A, um, yeah. And what's funny is because I was on the I was on the uh, on the clubhouse on the on the room the other day with you guys and uh, one of the gentlemen brought it up, and I was thinking, man, he about to drop all the sauce. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he brought it up, but basically, um, it's providing accommodations for the aviation space, right? Primarily, so that's the untapped market. Primarily, very much by 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 our community, certainly. Primarily for pilots and flight attendants. Okay, mm. so here's how we came into this opportunity, right? So I have a cousin. He's out of Tampa, Florida. Okay. He gets on. He gets hired on with Southwest. He has to do his training in Dallas at their headquarters. Okay? Absolutely. So they fly him out. He goes through the training, ends up getting the job, and then he gets stationed in Dallas. Now, mind you, he's got his own place in Tampa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he goes through his, you know, whole probationary phase and, and this, that, and the other. And then when he gets his, you know, wings or whatever, then I ask him, you know, where have you been? Like, cuz, where have you been staying? He was like, we're, we're staying at a, a crash pad. And I was like, well, what is that? And he was like, it's like temporary housing for flight attendants and pilots. And I was like, really? Like, how does that work? Yeah. Long story short, so I got to go out to the property, uh-huh. walk the property, check it out, everything. I was like, this. here's the thing. Crash pads inherently are very poorly run, mismanaged, borderline basement properties. Whoa. Sounds yes. Trash. I'm trying to be nice, but yes. You saw Blue Ocean. Yes, yes. <laughs> 
And so I was like, okay, so how does it work? So basically, um, it's like hostels almost, if you think about it. And this is an industry norm. This is mm. not like, hey, we're not used yeah, to this. Yeah, we yeah. don't want to do it. Yeah. This, this is what it very, is. Yes, crash pads. For decades. And, and I what do they keep it. these crash pads at? What are they typically? So a lot of them are houses, single yeah. family houses. Mm. So this was a house. It was a two-story house. It was a four, it was a four-bedroom. Okay. And so all the bedrooms had bunk beds in them. And so basically the flight attendants and pilots, they will rent the bed by the month. And then it renews a every bunk month. Bed. Yes, bunk a bed. single bunk bed. Now, the kitchen, living all the public, common, communal space, shared. But they're renting a bed by the month. Now, here's the thing with flight attendants and pilot attendants. So, with, with the uh, flight attendants, when they first get hired on, they're considered reserve flight attendants. Mm. So, they're still in their, like, probationary phase. You know, they're still not getting their choice of routes and all of that yeah. stuff, right? And so, as you increase your seniority, um, the high-level senior flight attendants, they're called pursers, P-U-R-S-E-R, mm -hmm. okay? And so what happens is, as a pro as a reserve flight attendant, you're likely not going to get stationed in your base of choice because you're new. Yeah. Okay? They'll throw you where they need help at. <laughs> yes, right? And then for the for the uh, pilots, typically there are the long-haul pilots who do the international. Then there are the regular, um, you know, domestic pilots that are running regular routes. Mm -hmm. um, and then there are uh, reserve pilots that come in and kind of in standby situations or, or you know, for vacation or whatever. And so, um, so there's different levels of pilots, too. So amongst all of those people, a lot of them are not stationed in, the, in their city of residence. Mm -hmm. Now, they get to pick their top three options where they want to be stationed. And they, and they have, they change, like, ever so often, like yeah. every six months or so. Mm hmm most people say they want to be stationed in their city of residence, but that's unless you're high up on seniority, yeah, you don't, you're get, don't it. get that. So a lot of them are staying in these crash pads, right? So wow. we were like, this is crazy. So we went out, snatched up a four-bedroom. Because mm -hmm. now we have two. The first one we bought was a four-bedroom. Uh -huh. It's a four-bedroom, three and a half bath. Mm -hmm. We put there's 16 beds in there, right? So 16 beds, yeah. one house. Yep. So it sleeps four per bedroom. Gotcha. Okay, because they're bunks. Wow. We're charging. Now, mind you... <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> In my calculator. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, mind you... Break this down. Mind you, our product, again, just comp like compared to hotels, it's a superior product than these traditional trash bags. <laughs> Absolutely. We're charging 500 per bed per month. All right. 500 okay? that's, times. Yes, 8,000. That's 16 beds. Yeah. 8,000 for a single family yeah. house. So on the first one, because the four bedroom, three and a half bath, so with mortgage expenses, everything's around like 1850. Okay, gotcha. so do the math, right? Gotcha. So you cash three... flow $6,150 off a single family. Yes. Now, here's the thing. Because they are crash pads and they're in 30-day intervals, we don't fall under any ordinances or regulations. So the only thing we really have to worry about, which I, I would warn people about, is an HOA. HOA can put a limit on how many people can be in the property. So just make sure you're not in a situation where there's a restriction through the mm. HOA. Outside of that, we don't fall under any city regulation, any ordinance, anything like that. And it's very and so flight attendants and pilots, they're used to this model. They're used to this hostile model. Now here's the thing. With flight attendants and pilots, um, the junior level ones, they have to work um like so many hours a month. Mm -hmm. So they're usually only on the property 12 days a month. They're paying for 30 because they have to log 70 to 80 hours. So they're gone. When uh, they're gone on their active routes, you're those are layovers. Because uh, they're staying overnight in a hotel and that's a layover. Uh, but when they're not working. They and then they're in the crash pad for that 12 days out of the month. Wow. So you can rent that bed twice if you want. You can probably swing that. Yeah. We don't. But not because yeah, yeah, we yeah, just yeah, yeah, pay yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we pay for it for the month. Yeah. Wow. It's ridiculous. So 
is this this is, this is not government though? No, this no, is just, you're this just a so crash pad. So how are you getting into this space? You're talking to good question. Yeah, how you how you how you getting the so the, the first one because obviously my cousin had a network and he had other people staying in it uh-huh. um, was basically word of mouth. Then we went out and got a second one. And here's the beautiful thing. Let me just sidetrack for a minute. This is at the smaller Dallas airport, Love Field. We haven't even tapped into DFW yet. So he had to. And two of our properties are full. Okay. So. So you already have two crash pads. Yes. At yes, the smaller the airport. Yes. Servicing. It's kind of like hobby. They even, they even <laughs> tagged the other one yet, IEH. Yeah. So. So our so our cousin helped us with the first one um because he had a kind of built-in network. But then there are crash pad communities. Um they exist on Facebook, so you can follow them on Facebook. Um mm. there are airline communities on Facebook. Like they're like Hey man, you need to put us in them groups. <laughs> so, so 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 then you can get in there and and but then here's the thing because the STR properties, most of us that play in this space, our properties are gonna be nicer than what they're used to. They kind of you know, they kind of sell themselves. So is it any STR people already in this space? Or? So I just started working with my students like the, the past two months on this. So I got a guy right now. He just snatched up his first four bedroom about five minutes from DFW. And we about to fill that bad boy up. How much so, do you, you project to make? Oh, my gosh. So he's got four bedrooms. So he'll do 16 beds. He'll charge the same five. Mm. But I, I think that one has a pool, though. So he could actually push Going that up. Higher. Yes. Yes. And so, like um, I was explaining earlier before the show... Um, I think it's Frontier Airlines just opened up a hub there at DFW and they are hungry for crash pads, right? And wow. yes, and so I and, and so I'm I'm working two angles, one with an American Airlines rep and one with a Frontier rep. Um, we, yeah, we're about to run it up. Man, that's a whole bunch of cash flow with a note 42 units. Yeah, 42. You got 42 units right now. How much you making a month? I do more well into the six figures every month. Six figures a month. Yeah. Well, so let's yeah. just I'm gonna I'm gonna do an estimate. <laughs> let's just say you're making one fifty, yeah. hundred fifty thousand off of forty two units. Yes, yeah, more than that, but um, <laughs> but again, keep in mind because the nine is doing sixty five by itself. Wow, right? The for the government, the yes. one we originally started talking about, right? Um, I have five more. I don't know me talk, tell this part of the story. I have five more under a separate uh, government contract. And here's the thing. My government contract is not a prime. It is not between me and yeah. the government. I'm operating as a subcontractor. So somebody mm. exactly over you is paying you. Exactly. So so the, the example that I was talking about, my student with 150 doors, that is a prime opportunity. Direct. Yes. Those are so huge. So you get paid in the middle and you yes, pay I'm, 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 I'm the middle guy because remember... That DOD contract that this other company is holding, there's a bunch of moving parts under that contract, but one of them is lodging. I got a question about that. So does your student have to get alignment with the government and all that, or he doesn't? You said get alignment? Like, does he have to have a SAMS number and all that? Oh, like, most definitely. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. But you don't need that with these airlines, these crash pads. Oh, no. No, that's anybody can do that. Yeah, you can run the So plane. who are you, you could do that, that on Waverly. So who are you? <laughs> I'm just oh, saying. My God. Cause it's right there. We ain't sold it. Yeah. <laughs> look, look, look. Here's the play though. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So, number one, why aren't they using hotels instead of crash pads? That's number one. Number two, who are you having a conversation with? Um to make this happen. To make that happen. 
So first answer, they're not using hotels because, frankly, they cost more. Right? Or, or you're in a trash hotel. That's $50 you. a night. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, 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 pure yeah, yeah. trash, right? Got you, got you. So the level of the product that we're providing, again, is Higher far level superior. Higher product. Right. And Even plus, though it's more they, they, Once they get into this, under the same roof together, because it, it's it's common in this space, in this mm-hmm. industry. I didn't realize that, how common it was. But, you know, it's kind of like a small family, you know. And so they kind of, you know, jail and, and bond together. And they're there all the time. 12 days a month. They in and out. Yeah, it's just they need somewhere to sleep. to sleep. They back to work the next yeah. day. Yeah. Now, what was mm. the second question? The next question is, um, uh, how to make this happen? I yeah. Think. How, who are you talking to to make these kind of connections? Yeah. So you only need one good flight attendant, primarily, or pilot um, contact, contact connect. Um, so and, when you go flying, now you you networking. Absolutely. See, he nailed it. He nailed so it. basically. So, what we well, See, I we need to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> we go, we'll, let's go there. I'm gonna break it down because yeah, I'm gonna yeah, think yeah, yeah. of it. So yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. what we need to do moving forward, we need to buy first class tickets because you're on the flight first. Yep. And the pilot gonna greet you, and you break it down like that. Yeah, absolutely. We've had more conversations with flight attendants um, that you know, if if you're gonna be in that Dallas area, if you're stationed here, and you're looking for a property, like boom, hit us up. Like, just that simple. And so you can do that. That and between that, the Facebook groups, there are some online sites that mm. are crash pad sites, even some that you can add your inventory to. If you add a nice inventory to those sites, yeah. you're gonna book because those some of those sites are. I not just thought good. about something. Uh, another contact would probably be good for you is like the air marshals. Oh yeah, yeah, because they connected to everybody. Yeah, you can most definitely. So for, air marshals connected to everybody. So for us, like in Dallas, um, that's American Airlines headquarters is there. Mm. And fun fact. I hardly, rarely tell this part of my history. You. Appreciate but it. I used to work for American. I did a small stint with American, mm-hmm. so I understand a little bit of the inside dynamic of how yeah. American works. But their hub is there, their headquarters in Dallas, mm-hmm. Southwest at it, Love Field. They service out of Love Field. Um, so if you develop a connection um, through a headquarters office or th- with a major airline, it the, um, that's all it really takes because the word will spread. Like I can pick up the phone right now. We should do it live on the call. I can you pick should. up the phone. You want me to do Let's it? Let's do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm Let's gonna do, do it. a live Let's call. Because that was crazy. I'm thinking about it. you can do this everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Now let me see. Let's see what I, you got, man. Let me see. Yeah. Let me see. I like live content. Yeah, yeah sir. <laughs> so, all right, let me see. I'm get recording too. All right, here we go. <laughs> let me see if I can get it. Pick up the phone. We're live Pick up on the, the podcast right now. He doing yes, live indeed. Call. Live call. See what you got. Let's do it. Pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. Hey, Kalita. Hey. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. All right, wake up, wake up. I, so you are live right now, so don't hang up on me. You are live. I'm recording <laughs> a podcast. I'm talking about Crash Pads, right? Your name came up, right? Now, you know we work in this angle out by DFW, and y'all are looking for a crash pad inventory, correct? Yes, but you caught me getting drugs to go to work. <laughs> so, so, so you are you a flight attendant with a major airline, and so how important is it to y'all to find a quality crash pad? See, there you go. That's 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 what we need. That's what we need. What, what's, more the, what's the fair price to pay for a pad? Ooh, that's a good question. So I know you. Uh, yeah. So so my man O'Neill here says, "What's the fair price to pay for a pad?" Um, and I think, but you 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 got a good rate out in Orlando. What were y'all paying out there? Uh, 
75 a yes. month, but um, the thing is, people aren't going to be there. So the most I've spent is at my crash pad out of the whole month is like seven days total. What? There you go. Bam. I'm so glad you said that, right? Because I said that too. I, you said A little 15. bit longer. I think I yeah. said two weeks, but but see, there you go. So the the point is, you pay for 30 days even though you stay seven, right? Right. You pay for 30 days, but most people are getting counting cards for people that are from a different state. So when we're off, we commute back home. Go home. We, we just keep our luggage at the crash pad. That's, what I'm saying. That's a beautiful thing. That's what's up. Kalita, yeah. you're going to be on, on this YouTube podcast with <laughs> thousands of viewers. Just your audio. So I appreciate you playing. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. No doubt. Hey, I'm going to need them connects. <laughs> All right, we'll do. All right, we'll talk soon. Yes. Right. Wow. There you go. So you're getting 375 for seven days. For seven See, days. See, it's easy for me to call her to my own cousin. Because Peter Collins is this. Yeah. Calling me again. <laughs> so, That's what's up, man. So so what's the average? Is this 375, 500? What's so that? it'll depend. depend on so location, okay. she was in Florida, it kind of like a smaller regional. Mm. And so where she was stationed, it, it's you just, know, it's not a... High airport traffic area, gotcha. so a little bit better rate. Um, but you know, big airports, the big ones, yeah. 500. Even really, so the airports are broken down into like levels, right? Different there's levels, tiers yeah. to it. Yeah, regional so, is low level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, there's there's two, and I can't remember the terminology, but there's two levels of airports that are considered like thirty million travelers a year or more. Um, they gotta and, be and Atlanta. Are, and, um, oh, Atlanta's definitely at, up there. Like Atlanta, all of your major market Miami. cities typically will have one of those top two airports. Atlanta, Miami, and New York is the top, and LAX, I believe. Yeah, this top four. This, this podcast, this is special. It's this probably is, changed my life. This life changing podcast. <laughs> yeah, 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 this is a life. This is a life changing. If you pay attention, do the work though, bro. This is a, this is a cash flow heavy podcast. Cash flow heavy, bro. Because what? Okay, so tell me this: Are you intentional about the cash flow, or did you stumble upon this cash flow? So the government stuff, because I was doing it before for my in my previous W two, I was very aware of the potential of it, how much money you could make. I didn't know like amount wise, gotcha. but I was intentional in going after that. So when I went through through my first process of landing my first opportunity, I found uh, I, I did some research. Mm-hmm. I found who was holding the DOD contract, the company that was holding it. I found out what year they were in of that contract because I wanted to make sure there was some longevity there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I found out the specifics around the training. It took me three months to get past security inside the building to get to the decision maker who was approving the accommodations and lodging for the contract. It took me three months. I ended up having to send her a fruit basket to get wow. her attention. After multiple calls and visits. So like, now... So there's a sales and prospecting play that you got to execute and be intentional. So now, since y'all had that relationship, every time she get contracts, she calling you. Oh, she, well, she's still there, and she's still servicing yeah. the same same opportunity. But if anybody, if, if any trainees call up and say, hey, where, where should we stay? Boom. Like... <laughs> it's a beautiful thing, man. Uh, beautiful he, so he was ahead of the snake. Yeah. I like so, that. So you got... You do events. Will you talk about this particular play? What can someone expect at one of these events? Because I'm coming to your next one. Me you too. You already know. Me too. <laughs> what will somebody ex- like expect at one of these events? And we're going to definitely uh, drop a link below <laughs> for anybody who wants to attend one of these. What what, what can they expect for something like that? Yeah, yeah definitely. So we're going to walk people kind of from A to Z okay. on what it looks like to go from no experience to full-on contract award opportunity. So mm. the example I gave, like with the with the student I was referencing, 
he had zero experience. He had experience as a short-term rental operator, mm. but he had zero government experience. Gotcha. His first contract was a prime contract. 7.4 million. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the contract value is 7.4. Boy, he yeah. went from zero experience to 7.4 million. million. Yep. In so, so he's actually going to be um, doing a case study about that specific deal at this uh, event that's coming up. And then, so for, for people that are interested, definitely tap in. Um, but we're going to be walking them step by step on the on the process. The link will be in the description. If whatever this is posted, <laughs> listen. If you haven't already, listen. Make sure that you rate, comment, subscribe, share the message, because this is a powerful. This is different. This, this is life changing. changing. Yeah, yeah. Because at the end of the day, a lot of times, right when you look at things like interest rates creeping up, you look at the difficulty to be able to get into properties. With you got to think about the difficulty of life right now. Life is getting expensive. Life. Yes, life is getting expensive. You need hacks that exponentially put you ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. This is a hack that can put you exponentially ahead of the curve. You and your family. As you you and your family. Shout out to Noble. Yeah. Hey, man. Hey, man, you, you did You changed that. my life today. Hey, yeah. This is really... <laughs> listen, this is no extra dip on the chip. No gas. <laughs> no gas, no dip on the chip. Bro, this was this is a life-changing podcast. Yes. I can only imagine what this class is going to be like. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, man. I'm happy you made that drive, man. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, I appreciate y'all having me. Y'all have no idea, like, how much influence that you guys have when people don't even share it with you. I find myself in that situation, but just so y'all know, like, I follow y'all. You know, I don't always tap in, but I follow you. <laughs> I, I see what you're doing and how you're moving. And watching you guys got me interested in getting some land to develop. So this we week, should. this week I, I, I purchased some land. So it's vacation rental land. It's in the Smoky Mountains. But I purchased some land in the Smoky Mountains to develop into a vacation rental so property. Because I was inspired. Yes, I was I inspired wow. by what y'all are doing. Damn. Damn. That's outside my wheelhouse. But y'all yeah. inspired me to, to move forward in that. So. What made you pick the Smoky Mountains? A hot vacation rental, longevity there, yeah, like for decades. Yeah. You know? That's that's some high dollar property out there. So we're you Absolutely. gonna build a million dollar property? Yeah, so we're 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 trying to decide are we gonna do like a tiny home community mm, or like a massive you know, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Y'all looking at the numbers. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> Cash flow matters. Hey man, well, we definitely appreciate you coming. How could they get in touch with you? Yeah, definitely the best place to hit me is gonna be on Instagram. Uh, you know, I'm be posting I'm, or you like you want you once every six months type I, of guy. I, I post maybe a couple once or twice a week, but um, I still answer my own DMs. OK, I'm not so big that okay. I don't answer my own <laughs> yeah. DMs. Right. So, Are you on Instagram so, threads now? So I yes. just signed up today. Instagram threads. So hit nice. me there, too. But uh, my IG is noble, N-O-B-L-E dot Crawford dot the number three. So noble dot Crawford dot three. Nice. So if they trying to learn this government contract and you got them. Absolutely. What else you teach? So, also, I uh, work with students in the, just the short-term rentals. Short-term space, rentals. Yeah, in the short-term so short-term, rentals. Rentals. short-term and mid-term rentals. Yep. Short-term rentals, mid-term rentals, government contracts, and know where you got. And you got an event coming up. We're going to be there. We advise y'all be there as well. And that's it, man. Peace. Peace.